Hello again, this is Noah and John. We are from Urban Digs. We are Talk Manhattan. We got Jonathan Miller. The man, the myth, the legend. The myth. Joining us live. The legend. Today. That's right. 3,900 years? How long have you been doing this world? 50 years? Well, 33 years and 8,000 apartments, personally. <laughs> 30, <laughs> but who's counting? 33 yeah. years appraising New York City real estate. Yes. You've seen it all. That's, I, I until now. Right. <laughs> True. I'm sure you've seen some crazy things. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I'm not going to talk about that. I yeah, I want to talk about feces being smeared on walls no. in apartments and live chickens. No, no. The, the people don't want to hear about that. Okay. Stuff. All right. No. I'll stick to the data <laughs> stuff. Have you really seen that? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> this is going to be a fun episode. <laughs> we'll bring you back next time to talk about the darker side of New York City real estate. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, we're here to talk about what's really going on in Manhattan. So you're 33 years. You're um, Miller Samuel, yeah. right? Um, Jonathan Miller of Miller Samuel. And tell us just two seconds about you and, wh- and what you do. So people Sure. Can- so my firm is a residential appraisal company. We cover the New York City metro area. Uh, our bulk of our, our business is for like legal support. We do a lot of estates and trusts and matrimonial and litigation. Right. Um, and then a smaller part of our business is the typical stereotypical appraisal work for purchases and refis. Right. Most of that's for wealth management or private. And, if, and if, you're, if you're new to the market, you might not quite know this. He's being extremely humble. He is widely regarded yeah. as the master appraiser in the city. I love you guys. Yeah. I love you guys. Well, you're going to pay us for that. So. <laughs> Drive safe, everybody. <laughs> um, no, but you, you, are, you are widely regarded as a, as a voice of reason. So um, thank you for joining us right here. And I want well, to talk pleasure. about, from an agent's perspective, this is really challenging times in Manhattan real estate. A lot of, a lot of policy things going on here. But how does an appraiser see today's markets? Um, generally, how much are we down from this peak? Like anything. Well, first of all, it's depending on what do you define as peak and what subset. So, for example, right. I think of the new development peak, which is in a normal market about fifteen percent of the activity. Now it's about seven percent. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Uh, uh, con- contracted quite a yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. But I look at two thousand fourteen, early fifteen is peak luxury, peak new development. Right. Uh, and really, the sort of negativity in the market prior to two thousand eighteen was the decline in the share of the high-end yeah. new development market, right. which I think skewed the numbers. And really, on the resale side, it was flat or moving sideways. Right. Um, really, the way I look at the market now is a market sort of under siege by changes in tax policy. Right. I just want to point something out. Yeah. Tax policy changes human behavior. Yeah. So whenever you see a proposed you know, change in taxes, all the calculations for revenue yeah. are all based on if everybody did just what they did mm-hmm. uh, before the new policy, and that that's not true. And right. you know, and yeah. you know, the idea is that when there's uncertainty, consumers pull back. Right. They wait. Pause. They pause. Or they bid less. And, they, and you know, they sort of are testing the market. And I think since the, you know, to sort of broaden your question, we have uh, three big changes in the, law, in the law that are affecting housing. One was the federal tax law in 18, yeah. um, which uh, you know capped exemptions on property taxes and SALT yeah. uh, to $10,000, which has no bearing. My colleagues in Dallas and Indianapolis, uh, you know, they don't even know what the SALT tax is right. because they don't exceed the threshold anyway. It doesn't right. matter. And, the, and the, you know, with the standard deductions doubled all that. And then we have the mansion tax, right. which completely is playing havoc 
on transactions. We'll talk about that. Yeah, next and time. then and then we and then we also have the the rent law. So right, right. so we've got all this turbulence spinning around. I'm surprised activity is as heavy as it is, considering, considering all that's sort yeah. of out there. It's and they're great. thinking about the pied de tax. That that's coming. Which to me, the first pied de tax was. That's the first time I said to myself, this ends yeah. most of new development. It ends, it, it's so, it's not thought it's, it's out. Very unfriendly to investors. Right, and, and, and yet, you know, the investors pay taxes, transaction taxes are a big part of, I don't mean to be political, yeah. no. but, but, you know, pay a big part of the tax revenue, which are used to fund social right. programs, which right. are what, you know, sort of is the idea behind this. So we were on with Gary Mallon, and he was talking about this recent rent regulation policy that you mentioned, mm-hmm. and he was he was mentioning how the unintended consequence of this is, is the construction industry, right? And that the workers over there are starting to lose jobs. And well, lose they're, they're being laid off in masses because well, you read about Stuyvesant Town, with right. Blackstone, right? Um, because it's they're, they're not re- units, warehousing units. Yeah, and they're not rehabbing apartments after they become vacated. Yeah. So right. it reminds me, I first moved to New York in the mid '80s, '85, and we were coming out of the in rem housing uh, crisis where there were tens of thousands of abandoned buildings because. The math didn't work, yeah. sm- especially small landlords mm-hmm. walking away from buildings. I certainly hope there's modifications so we don't run into that I, period. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be gloom and doom either. No. There's just it's unprecedented yeah. how much has happened. All you're in the last saying six is months. that there's unintended consequences, and that the formula that these tax policy changes happened, and other other policy changes happened, was again, like you said, assuming everything stays as is before. Right. But when you do these policy changes, it's a completely different world. And again, that's why I say this is not a cyclical downturn in Manhattan real estate. No. This is a reset to a shift lower, if you will, to a different level because of policies. And let's just add a couple more policies on here. Don't forget that point. Um, you can't hide under LLCs. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can't take money out of China. Right. You know, and we get the strong dollar. Yeah. Right. And again, add that to everything you said. And this is really a policy-driven correction in Manhattan. Right. And we were valued here. And because of all this stuff, we're now valued here. Everyone's waiting for that bump up. We might just be here for a while until policy changes. And 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 that's what I'm anticipating because I don't know what would change that right. unless there's a, a policy change. Think about it this way is that what we've gone, especially with the federal tax law coming into effect January 1st of 18, mm-hmm. is that what you really had is, you know, whenever there's a change that's favorable to, say, the buyers, they're all in like three seconds after the law, you know, goes into place, the seller sort of is marinating in their own, yeah. like, you know, images of the way things used to be. And, <laughs> the and, 80s. <laughs> and some, someday that'll, you know, it'll get back to that and I'll yeah. just wait. Yeah. And so you have this recalibration of pricing that's going on right now, right, right. Um, which has really started beginning of uh, 2018. Yeah. And we're still going yeah. through it. And I, I think we still have a ways to go. Yeah, I think what you said is exactly right, which is, you know, it, you have the sellers marinating sort of in their visions of what I just love using the word marinating. They're, yeah, they're, exactly. they're anchored. They're, they're, they're anchored, anchored in that. But yeah. now I think you have buyers doing the same thing. They're putting on pause because they can't see around the corner either. They Correct. don't know what the effect of these tax policies is going to be. If, right. right. Know, the number one revenue, the place for revenue of the taxes goes to schools. Well, what are the schools going to be like when the revenue dries up? Right, right. The spread between sort of the bid ask to, to dabble in the yeah. Wall Street terminology we use this all the time. Is, yeah. is, wide. is wide and the measurement of the width is lower sales. Yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, that's the, that's, 
the the way to the really the way to look at how, it. How much down do you think we are? And I don't want to put you on the spot. I know it's I know that for the new development sector it's one thing, and for the lower end it's another thing, and for the high end it's another thing. But like just if I had to paint the broad stroke, how much are we down from this cycle down? So to super generalize, super generalize, uh, you know, probably in the neighborhood of ten, you know, maybe yeah. a little bit more, maybe as much as fifteen, but somewhere in that totally range. Totally agree. Yeah. And and um, but the way to look at it too is like the the extremes would be on the new development side for the very top, sort of north of five million. Um, you're probably down, you know, any a low of fifteen and a high of forty. Right. You know, depending, depending on where how aggressive are. the pricing was. Super and luxury. Right. Super super luxury, right? Yeah. And I, you know, we have, you know, evidence of that just in resales. Right. Uh, you know, sponsor sales versus the subsequent resale. It's pretty apparent. Right. And, and then, but then you have. You know, then you have price strata, high to low. Right. The market is softest at the top and tighter as you move lower yep. in price. And so you're not seeing, you know, price declines in the starter market. No. Especially with this, the acceleration of the decline in mortgage rates over yep. the last year. Rates are down a point. Uh, that's significant. Right. And, that, right. and that's a great point because in, in a few days, the third quarter reports are going to come out. And the macro numbers are going to be shockingly scary. People are right. going to think this market fell off a cliff. But, but if, you, if you basically parse out the under two million sales, that market, the starter market of the one bedrooms, the two bedrooms under that price, they're doing okay. Yeah. They're right. seeing some increases here. Like they're they've got mortgage rates holding them up, so they're they're going. And it's on. also sort of doubled down on that uh, that sort of skew because you know uh, the the mansion tax deadline, July first filing deadline skewed towards the higher end. So you had this, essentially the second quarter poached from the third quarter. Yeah. Right. So if you if you took the two quarters and blended them together, yeah. you could f say that, you know, overall sales are down from last year, but not dramatically down. Right. But second quarter showed up, third quarter shows down right. because of this arbitrary right. date that's set. And, and that's what we're going to talk about is that we, we're seeing the same thing on our end. You're seeing the same thing. Quarter three reports are coming out in, in a week or something like that. And you're going to see year over year declines, notable declines. And what we're talking, is there going to be a Bloomberg headline? Is, is OTRAC going to put that headline out there? I think there's always a Bloomberg headline. <laughs> I mean, well, their job is to make you know uh, views of that, yeah. of right, that article. Right. Um, but I mean, you might see, I mean, I'm selling 15, 20, 25% kind of moves down. Yeah. And, and again, it's not real. It's, it's just because well, it's, we, I call it time spliced. You know, yeah. it's sort of like you're, you know, people that were going to close, you know, in August, early August, were able to pull back before, right. you know, by June 30th. And this is for the mansion tax. This is for the mansion tax to save right. a couple of percent, right. you know, depending on mm -hmm. what price it was, right. which for a closing date and to save, you know, you know, fifty grand yeah. or whatever for a closing date is plenty of incentive. Oh, absolutely. And and yeah. it mod as I like to say, tax policy changes modify behavior. human yeah. behavior yeah. because it's really no skin off their back. Just the lawyers and the yeah. accountants and the appraisers and the banks had to move a lot faster. Right. Um, so we had this this policy change noise, this this one time kind of pull forward of, yeah. of high end. And I think it should be ignored. In other yeah. words, I remember in the second quarter saying, "Watch out for the third quarter." Yeah. This shows, yeah. good, but this isn't a recovery. This is just uh, a skew or a you know a, yeah. a twisting of 
uh, what normally would have happened and we're going to pay for it in the subsequent quarter. So don't sit there and say, right. you know, the market's worse than it is. Right. Um, so it's this gyration. Right. And what does that do to the consumer? Well, it makes them nervous. Well, that's exactly, exactly. my point. And that's why I'm trying to, we're trying to get the word out now. And we've been talking about this for months also. We said the same thing just like you. It's like these numbers are showing up month to month. It's going to come right back out. Right. This is over and we're going to show it down. Here we are. We're about to get it. They're about to get it. They don't know about it. Right. Um, and what is that headline effect? And how does that affect um, psychology in the buyer? And that's what I'm worried about at a time when I feel like we're just down and out and everything's just getting kicked on the floor over here. Right. Policy change at the policy change. And we just need some type of positive positive thing and again I don't see that headline giving any positive no I don't I, yeah. I, I don't but but you know what heals all this is time right like I'm not advocate like I really my job isn't to advocate you know whether you know pushing for prices up pushes prices up. mine is more like you know presenting what is the unfiltered sort of take on right. this right. Um, using common sense you know distortion by tax policy etc right um, and then let the consumer just Decide. I mean, right. you know, it's funny because uh, the the activity levels, you know, people that are always busy on the brokerage side, they're just some people that just, you know, just seem always to be busy no matter the market. And even they're, yeah. you know, saying, boy. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And, and we're seeing them, those top producing teams are saying it's, it's slow. It's right. slow. But yeah. then I got someone like Brian Meyer we just did a, a roundtable with and he's like, I had the busiest month that I've had in the last two yeah. years. Right. Things are starting to pick up. So, you know, you never know where those yeah, pockets are. Also, yeah. also, you have to remember who your sources are because, you know, uh, what I find when they're talking to appraisers or real estate brokers is I have this theory that, uh, and I've had, I've had this for over three decades, I've always said this, where... Uh, when you talk to people in the transaction business, whether it's how many appraisals you did, how many uh, deals you did, right. that the people you're talking to tend to characterize the market by their last two or three transactions. Right. And so if you're really busy right now, things are great. Yeah, yeah. and the market's right. strong. Right. If, if you haven't done a deal in six months, it's the black hole. It's the worst market right. you've ever seen. And that's one of the things that uh, Ari Harkoff mentioned yesterday, which is that even even 2009, 2010, when the market seemed like it was standstill, there's still 9,000 deals being done. There's, yeah. right. there's plenty of activity out there. It's just... You just got to look around and find it. Right. It's it's not in your face That's necessarily. Right. Okay. So we're getting we're getting towards the end of this, and there's some a couple of things I want to talk to you about before we okay. run out of time here. So first, valuing outdoor space. We get asked this all <laughs> the time, and I know you have a blog post. And I'm going to yeah. put that in, in my article here, so I can give that some press. Sure. Um, but really quickly, um, we have our ideas, and I'll share it after you say yours. Sure. And I think the exercise here is not for us to compete with one another on, on whether or not yours. Especially is especially since I'm right. Yeah. Since you're right, and you're you're much you know you're going to be stronger than I am. You'll just put the crap out of me, you know. I'm just uh, going to say, note the timestamp here. You're going to want to reference this <laughs> multiple times. But um, it's two approaches, and and they're both interesting. So, with that said, how do you value outdoor space? So, this is something I, I started, you know, uh, measuring and figuring out about 25 years ago, mm -hmm. and it's never failed me. Whether you're in a rising market, falling market. It's a condo, it's a co-op, it's a loft, it's a walk-up, right. it's the same principle. And that okay. is that um, when you're valuing outdoor space, the value of the outdoor space is relative to the interior space of the subject property. Mm -hmm. And there are sort of parameters that you would look at. So for example, um, you know, rules of thumb that I've developed. So if you have a thousand square foot apartment mm -hmm. and a thousand foot terrace, mm -hmm. 
you know, ideally, you know, the the terrace is equivalent to anywhere from 250 to 500 square feet, 25 to 50 cents on the dollar as a general rule. Okay. The problem I have with that is just a straight calculation is that there's a there's a diminishing return after about 50% of the when the outdoor space exceeds 50% of the interior space. There's a diminishing return. Diminishing return okay. because the example would be I've been in a 700 square foot one bedroom with 3,000 feet of terrace, yeah, yeah, yeah. roof terrace. Yeah. It'd be ridiculous yeah. to, to right. look at it that right. way. Right. And uh, and then and then looking at that, and then the same principle applies whether it's a terrace, it's a patio, it's a balcony, right. because the view amenity, you know, the the floor level is already captured in the interior square footage. Right. So I, I've gotten. Uh, in, I think it was around 2010 I wrote a blog post which you had mentioned where um, a lot of the blog I have the whole section in my sidebar of the matrix blog where valuation methodology like uh, basement space or things and I do that right. based on when I get a, a lot of calls on a particular subject I said oh save myself some breath right. and just write about it and write about it in extensive detail so it sort of Right. covers everything but that's the premise of the outdoor space right. so so the way we approach it would actually be exposed to your diminishing return flaw now that I think about it but I'm still going to tell people because that's that's how we are we're transparent and it's not you know yes. this is just how I've approached it and this is just from my personal experience I've actually had a terrace apartment and I sold one I owned and sold it my personal experience with buyers and how they value an outdoor space so like let's just classify outdoor space with three types of outdoor space you got your balcony simple balcony five by eight you got your small terrace that's like a 10 by 15, 100, 150 square foot, maybe even a little patio or something, a little garden, right? One of those. Yeah. And then you got that big terrace, right? Which is like the five, 600 square foot terrace that's just something really rare. And I'm trying to exclude those 3,000 square foot roof decks that are just very, you know, right. don't come around that often. So the balconies, I mean, flat valuation, somewhere between 25 and 50 with maybe a median of 35 to 40. Some, you have the same exact apartment, one with a balcony, one without. I don't know, somewhere between 35 and 50 based on the views and the utility and I guess how good it looks and all that kind of stuff. Something like that. For the small terrace, so you get a thousand square foot apartment and you have a 150 square foot terrace, I think somewhere between $100 and $200 per interior square foot. So I would think like somewhere between 100 and 200,000, that 150 square foot is value, somewhere between that. And it's on the lower end, if it just doesn't present well, it doesn't have utility, maybe if it's lower than 100,000. But if it's on a high end, it's got a good utility, a good privacy. And then that bigger terrace, that 500 square foot, is somewhere between $200 and $300 a square foot. So that would bring in a little bit more money on that. Um, and again, it's just from my own right, kind of it, thoughts. Right, right, right. I mean, that's similar to my it's logic. It's very similar. If you do both of them separately. And we do, things, have, like, do yeah. things like, look, you know, we, we look at the valuation range as like 25 to 50 cents on the dollar. So mm -hmm. the subject interior is a thousand feet, you know, just to keep it simple, that's how we look at it. Right. But what if the terrace is on the second floor off the bedroom, right? right, right. What if it's a wrap terrace that's three feet wide right. all the way around versus a big rectangle of the exact same square footage? Yeah. What if, and that affects, and so that's sort of, you know, the high to the low of the price right, range, right. the methodology being. And insane. that's what's so challenging. And we get asked this all the time, so I want to include that. Yeah. But listen, we're getting we're coming to your time cut off here. Really quick, how does an appraiser view this market? Is it is it a stable market? Is it a falling market or is it a rising market? So I think in general it's a cooling market is the way to look at okay. it as a as a if you had to pick something. By the way, I hate uh, sort of the terminology like it's a buyer's market, it's a seller's market mm -hmm. because hey, there's a, about a thousand subsets within the market. Yeah. So if we're we're talking about 
you know, an inexpensive studio yeah. versus a 12,000 square foot yeah. condo. I mean, there's a dramatic difference where the pendulum is. Yeah. So I hate to sort of bracket as a one size fits all totally char right. characteristic. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, Upper but I get co-ops. Upper West Side co-ops are strong. Right. right. That's a, that's but a you look at market. Fifth Park and Fifth Avenue, you know, sort of, you know, the blue blood old. Yeah, like the old classic sixes are. Those struggling. are, those are hammered. Uh, right. That's the weakest subset of the luxury market because guess what? Condominiums right. are their nemesis and there's, right. they're so prolific that they. offer they, more size. They offer more amenities. Amenities. And you actually own it. Right. Totally. Yeah. What about appraisals? Are appraisals coming in lower than the asking price right now? Have you heard anything, or are they pretty much coming in in line? I so there, it's a it's a mixed bag, and one of the reasons it's a mixed bag is because you know properties aren't like maybe private sales or things that aren't marketed. Mm -hmm. uh, you know that, that there's a disconnect between like that's not necessarily market value because it was never vetted. Can you use a, a non-marketed property in an appraisal? Well, the problem is is you don't know. Okay. You right. know, right. now, but yeah. what you're leery if you never find the listing, right. like, you know, because it could be, and, and it could be a sponsor sale right. that has no board approval, right? So, right. so I, I, so I, I hate to stereotype. I would say just as a general comment that the quality of appraisers uh, since the financial crisis mm -hmm. has never been worse, right? Because of the mortgage or the banking right. setup. Uh, sort of spinning towards automation. Yeah. So the, the appraisal management companies, which are the middlemen, which I write about a lot in my blog, um, and so so it's hard to say, right. you know, what 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 they are. I mean, in in my view, I'm not seeing any increase. So if you're a good evaluation, whether you're a broker or an appraiser. And the market turns. Mm -hmm. That separates the good people from the hacks, right? Because there's a lot of people that just keep kind of doing the same thing and they miss the rise, right. they miss the fall. Yeah. So they overappraise when the market declines, starts right. to decline, and they underappraise when it starts to rise. So you really want, you know, just it, it's just like, it's just common sense. You want people that are embedded in the market and not right. driving from Albany so what are you looking to do for? an appraisal. So are there real-time indicators you're looking for in terms of a strengthening, rising market? So the number one thing um, that I always emphasize, and it's through, you know, mm -hmm. which would be a five-hour podcast if I went through it, <laughs> but uh, is uh, unit volume, units and inventory trends lead price direction. That price direction follows, uh, you know, absorption or months to sell, right. uh, an average of like, uh, somewhere between 12 and 24 months. And this is not a unique Manhattan thing. This is, I was part of a startup that was to be a competitor of Case Schiller back in 07. I remember that. And, um, and we were dealing with national data and we could, you could see that lag. So the sales transactions, you know, if there's a, if there's a downtick in sales, uh, you know, for the next couple of quarters, even though prices are rising, it doesn't mean, you know, what it means to me is that inventory is going to rise and that's going to soften price direction. Mm -hmm. So I think all I care about at this moment, it's not all I care about, but what I emphasize is sales activity. Now, ideally, it'd be great to just track contracts, right. but you also have, you know, 25, 30% of them don't close. Don't close, right. So you, you have that, that. Yeah. right, so you kind of are looking at, you know, sales and closed sales to give you a sense of where activity is, the direction it's headed, only on a year-over-year -year basis, right? Like seasonality, like yeah. in all our re the element report series, 
everything's year over year. Always look year, year over year. year. Don't yeah. look month to month. Don't look quarter it's to so quarter. It's so silly. It's a simple thing. Don't complicate your life. Totally. Great stuff. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming, Jonathan Miller, Miller Samuel. This My is pleasure. Noah. This is John. We are from Urban Digs. We're talking Manhattan. We'll catch you next time.